Oh, it's good to see y'all here today. Let's get going. Tell you what, the quicker that we can get into the Word of God, the quicker that we're going to find out possibly just how much you needed the Word of God today. As you're finding your seat, I just want to say it, it was good to have Scott and Nita back. I don't know if you could call that a missions trip to Hawaii, but uh, they're going to take full mileage out of that. I think next time Scott's gone, he's going to have to split screen, you know, to play in Hawaii or wherever. So uh, I'm for all of our young worship team, but there's something about a guy more my age up there. You remember Nolan Ryan out there showing the young guys how to do it? Anyway, anyway, anyway. This morning, Pastor Keith is coming. Let's give him a hand, our children's pastor, and he done a great job. Hey, man. Well, you know, we have something special we want to do today. In children's ministry, it's kind of a, I was thinking this morning, it's kind of a very polarizing ministry. You either love it or you're scared to death. And so we want to honor a couple that has been a part of our children's ministry since Christy and I have been here, which I always keep track because Kelsey was three months old. She's turning 18 this year. So 18 years at this couple, Clayhorns, would you mind coming up here? Uh, they, they, they don't, you, you may not even know, but they have been right there with Christy and I for pretty much 18 years. Uh, they have been here during the lock-ins during our music camp. They have been here at all the fundraisers. They've been here at all the, they've gone to summer camp a time or two with us. Uh, they've been here for, Travis and I have gone through that sound system, even this morning when it wasn't working. He and I are back there thinking where he knows more about it probably than I do. And um, I'm like, Travis, I don't know what to do. And so he is great. Kathy has been involved in the, the nursery and in the preschool department. They, I don't know if there's any area that y'all have not served in. And if you don't know, they have big announcements. I don't want to blow it if you haven't heard. They're retiring, and they are taking the dream life and going to travel for a while uh, with their retirement, if somebody doesn't know that yet. So they are stepping down for a little while. And are, I'll say a little while. They're going to be back. It, it, it's, it's an addictive uh, thing. When you love children's ministry, it gets addictive. And, um, but I, we just want to honor you. Thank you guys for your service. Christy and I appreciate it. You have made our life easier. You have blessed the minister to the children of the chapel. I, I believe that they're better off because of you guys, and we appreciate you and you, uh, God to use you and to bless you, and we want to bless you guys today. Will you give them a hand? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it, it's hard for Christy and I. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. We appreciate you very much. We're going to miss you guys. Travis, thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> so with that said, we have a hole in children's ministry. You know, if somebody's needing somebody, just saying that. If you can run a sound system. <laughs> and again, that is for your service up to today. If, if Connie's prediction or prophecy is, so you can't, you can't be away from us too long. You'll have to come back. So uh, as they uh, have 
again, retired for this season, and they get the privilege of traveling around and, and RVing it and all that fun. Uh, kind of like, I'm sure, some country song will be always on your mind. I'm sure there's a... So you're, you're welcome to come back, and if you're gone a couple weeks and want to come back, we're, we're open to that too. Do, do you feel like sometimes you close your eyes and a week's gone and you open it again and we're here again? That's the good news. I, I'm so glad that you're here this morning and that you chose to be here. And you did it on purpose. You know that. You didn't just wake up and boom, up here at church. There were some choices that you made to be here this morning. So this morning, as we open the Word of God, you know, and, and today is going to be a day for some of you that will be a beginning. Uh, and, and I speak that over your life because when you get this revelation of who God is, all of a sudden your eyes begin to open up and you begin to go, you know, I, I, I well, you know, I, 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 you know, you start stuttering because you go, I never saw the Word of God like that before. So this morning, let's open up in prayer. Father, we, we ask that you would take the Word that God, that you've already spoken over our lives. And Father, again, your, your Word, that the Scripture is alive and active. God, we want it to be alive and active today that it gets into our hearing gate, into our ears. We hear it, and it just kind of it kind of bounces around all inside of us, getting us again to realize how much you love us. And God, we know your word says that when we get that revelation, that there is no fear in love. God, we ask that today change our life forever. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Now, when we talk about the Word of God, we, we know that, again, let me just start, words change our thinking. So, so words, somebody can talk over your life and say, you know, you're nothing, or, you're, or they can just do the little subtle, you know, hacking, you know, at you. You know, you don't look too fat in that outfit. You know, that, that's not saying you're fat, but you know what I'm saying? So all those words can change your thinking until all of a sudden you get kind of, you, you, you change. This morning, as the Word of God goes forth, we, we realize that words spoken over our lives, I'm not going to get into it, but I, I believe, Gwen and I, man, we just b talked about this this week, and, uh, you know, when, when we speak in tongues, as the Word of God says to, as it builds us up in our most holy of faith, now watch this, that that is words. Somebody go, well, yeah, but we don't know what, it, what we're saying. We're, we're praying for an interpretation. But I want you to realize this. As we're praying in the Spirit to build us up in our most, most holy of faith, some of us have that half-full mentality. You know, we're the realistic group of people, and, and we always take the, you know, the red light instead of the green light. You, you with me? So when we speak in tongues, your mind can't even doubt what you're saying. But when you're believing that God has good things in store for us, all of a sudden, as Isaiah says, we begin to look and long and expect for the goodness of God to show up in our life. And some of us here today have never experienced that in your life because of words that have changed your thinking. Somebody in your life has said, ah, that don't work. And you bought into that. 
Transformation, listen, is a continual, and and it's got to be purposely, it's got to be willfully, it's got to be by design. And it it, here's the new word of the day, okay? I'm going to use this. It's moonshot. That that came out, you know, I do kind of this. Gwen's a linguistic. Her and Heath kind of just laugh at all the other Millers. (laughs) That was out of the proper tense of the language of... King, you know, English, whatever. Moonshot is this. It just came out. A challenging and an innovative project. Suki, Suki, that's what you need to go after. I'm going to go after, listen to that again, a challenging and innovative project. What is that? To be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That I'm in the word, words of God spoken over me that I might change my thinking, therefore change my destiny. I'm going to talk about in this series, this series is entitled The Wonderful Invention of Love. Who, who is love? God is love. So, so the first step that we're talking about is who is God? Some people go, I know who God is. So let me just use the alternate to the negative. You know how negative... Do you really know who God is? Okay, so we got a little bit of doubt in our mind that that hopefully will play to challenging and being able to do an innovative project of being transformed. Who is God? Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. This guy... In Psalms, if it's David, he got the revelation of who God is. He is love. He is his loving kind. God, because you're loving kind. This is the, the result. In weeks to come, I can't tell you how many weeks that is away, but we're going to talk about step two. And that is, who are you? As the Bible says, not as... Whoever said or says you are. See, it's a different than you can do anything. No, stop that. You do the purpose that God has for you in your life. Then then weeks after that, we're going to be talking about step three, and that is the authority of the believer. Now, now, as we go through this today, there's a lot of times that people go, you know, that's almost uh, too good to be true. And what happens is when we get to the place of the authority of the believer, if you don't know who God is and you don't know what the Word of God says about you, you get to that last step and you go, my, my, that, that, right, that might be, that, that might be heresy. And you can see it in the Bible. And you know what I mean? If it's in the message or the Passion Translation, you go, uh, uh, eh, eh, that's too good. i got to go all the way back to the King James. I can't understand it, but it's got to say it in the King James. So this morning, it's very important that you get this quickly turned to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to talk about out of the message in Ephesians chapter 5, and I hope that you're reading 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Those little Johns. But but let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 quickly because it, it's going to set us up. 
I'm going to set you up. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Here, here's what love is. Remember this. Ephesians chapter 5. Watch what God does. It could be like, go home after that. Just watch what He does. But then there's actions. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of, everybody, love. Learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, and then we get to the title of today's message, but extravagant. Title of today's message, The Extravagant God. You want to know where the title came from? Right here. Let me say it again. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious. We've got a lot of cautious lovers in our lives, don't we? I love you if you love me, and if you do this, I'm not loving you anymore. No more Valentine gifts. We're done. You're dead to me. You know, how far you want to go? He wasn't cautious, but he was extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Now, when you, when you start off the transformation process and you see that, you go, the older you are, the more water that's gone under your bridge, the more difficulties that you've had in your life, uh, maybe not the best upbringing, just fill in the blank, whatever, that you think, that, whew, you get to this and you go, love like God. Can't give you a bigger no. That, that's too vulnerable. So, so we're at the beginning of this, so I want you to see where you are today. Now, be honest with yourself, because if you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with me. And what I mean by that is what I speak, you're going to just get all, oh, your spirit's going to close, and you're going, yeah. Well, he's only 35. He doesn't know everything. But you'd be wrong on that too. I'm not 35. Some of you see there, half full right there. He can't be 35, is it? Anyway, we go on. So right here at the beginning, if you realize that you can love like God, even though you're not there today, maybe. Watch how as we begin to get into the Word of God, my prayer is that you begin to be transformed again by renewing of your mind. Let's see how it starts. Look at Genesis chapter 1. We'll go all the way back. We're going to just take this thing, wrestle with it. Genesis chapter 1. Man, did you hear him? He's going all the way back to the front. We got to eat lunch today sometime. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now, now I want you to see, this is where we begin. This is the demonstration of an extravagant God. This is his initial plan for you and I. He puts us in the garden, mankind, and He gives man everything that they need and then everything that they want and says, what? Don't touch that one tree in the middle. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? I want you to remember that because I'll bring that up 
in, in our church all the time. Did God really say, here's the enemy. Did God really say, did, just keep, keep thinking about it. Did God really say, how many times do you hear that a day? Did the Word of God really say, are you really saying that God said that? Or, now, wait just a minute. Did God really? That little question there will bring so much condemnation on your life that you'll begin to be worn down to the frazzle that either you can't live right or you'll live as a poser. The scribes and Pharisees did it. I'm more holy than you are until Jesus shows up and shows them. And they, How did you know that? Because... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, did you, look at what she says. She corrects him. We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now she kind of gets off track there, but that's what people do to the, the, the Word of God. They not only see it as a boundary, but then they put you know huge boundaries and they close it in. Go a little bit step further and step further and step further. Verse 4, you will not surely die. This is the enemy talking. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like, come on, like God, knowing good from evil. Now, all of a sudden, there's something that's blowing in. It's a wind to create people of thud. What is fud? People that have fear, unbelief, or you could say uncertainty, and doubt. All the enemy has to do is just get you to fud. Well, watch what happens. Did God really say, you're not going to die? And enough to her to, for her to hear that. You're going to be better than what you are now if you don't listen to God. That's what he's saying. But in verse 6 it says, When the woman saw... Uh-oh. See, that power suggestion is, is erosion coming in. But when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she gave to her husband who was... What? He was with her. He was just over there silent. You know that old joke of where would man be without woman? Still in the garden. No, he was right there with her. I don't get any amens from the women. No, thank you. It's the man and I'm talking about. Sit there quietly with your hands in your lap. Do you remember, it says when she saw and it looked pleasing. Now, now the Word of God went forth and told them that they could have all this and they're majoring on the one thing that they don't have. Now, watch this. Words, the, the Word of God went forth. 
But as soon as the enemy began to plant the fear, unbelief, the uncertainty, the doubt into her mind, in their mind, it, you go back to the parable of the sower. The word of God is planted like a farmer throwing seeds, and some of it fall, fell. You remember last week we talked about rocky places and it didn't have roots. And, and when the persecution came because of the word of God, the, it didn't have roots and it dried up. This week, look at the parable of the sower where it fell on thorny ground. The thorns choked out and made the word, in this case, the word of love. Does God love you? No, He's holding out on us. He doesn't let us eat that tree. Do you hear me? So the, the word of God was there and they received it with joy, but when what? What is, what is the root? What was the explanation Jesus said? It was um, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things. Look at it. When she saw the fruit, and she saw that it was pleasing, it was good. Ooh, come on now, I'm preaching to somebody. I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm saying that here's the word of God that goes forth and the enemy comes against you to choke it out. Don't let it work. In the case that we're talking about, the word of God is the, that God loves you. Watch through this message. If every time that the enemy comes against you, you you'll, you'll be right there where you're at and the enemy will speak to you. Oh, now I don't know if I believe that God's that loving on me because, you know, some people, they're not loving. and Don't, don't allow him to do that. So, so the consequence was that sin came into the world. Remember, this is the first plan, but it was not God's plan for sin to enter into the world. So immediately they go and they get clothes on or some kind of fig leaves as, as everybody has known in costumes and all that. You know, fig leaves. They cover themselves up. But listen to what happens. He says, when, when God is crying out to Abraham and he, can, can you believe this? Where are you? Do, do they, okay. Yes, he knows where you are, but he wants you to answer. He says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now watch this. This is a key to you as a believer. He says this, and he said, God saying, who told you that you were naked? In our lives, when the word of God comes forth and we get it and we receive it with gladness and, and we begin to see fruit developing in our life, the enemy is going to come to steal the word of God from your life. That don't work. That isn't good. That's not for you. And all you have to do is gravitate right into the FUD. Just a little uncertainty. A little fear. And so God is saying, really, who told you? I didn't say you were naked. Who's framing your thinking? CNN. Fox News. My mama, she isn't a believer, but she's a good woman. I don't care who it is. The Word of God has to be framing your thinking. Or, or, or even well-meaning people can lead us off track because they're walking in FUD. 
Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, yes, I did. No, he said, the woman that you gave me. We've laughed about this before. Come on. And the woman says, what have you done? The serpent. Does that sound like a person with confidence, boldness, authority on the face of the earth? No, it's a person of FUD. Fear, uncertainty, unbelief, and doubt. Ah, well, you know, it's not me. I'm just human. The Word of God, He, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. As soon as the children of God, watch this, question their identity of who God has created them to be, they, they fall into sin. They could have eaten from any of the trees in the garden, but they began to question, is God really holding out on us? Is He as good as He said He was? Is God really love, or is that just what He thinks, and I don't know if I believe? The initial plan was that man would have all that they would need. They'd be in the garden. That, that just to talk about extravagant love for his children. But as soon as sin enters into the world, all of a sudden there's a separation between a holy God in a sinful mankind. Now, now again, we went through this, and I hope that you were here, is what's good enough. And we talked about all the thing is Christianity fair, and we talked about why did Jesus have to die, and why did he have to be resurrected. So go back and listen to that to build this, to build up to today. But this was not his initial plan for mankind. But as soon as man fell in the garden, as soon as sin entered into the world, a loving father said, na, 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 get out, I'm never going to see you. See, that's what we think. But as soon as that happened, God put a second plan into um, immediate to bring back His beloved children. There's some people that go, I, I don't know if that, I believe that. Read the Word of God. It says, actually, when God is talking to the serpent, He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, listen, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. In other words, you're going to strike His heel and kill Him on the cross. But my son is going to come out of a woman to be a man, to die for mankind, and He's going to crush your head. That's the plan that He puts into place because he loves, fill in the blank, your name. Isn't that a gracious promise from a God that could, it, it seems like he could have just said, I'm starting over. But he loved mankind so much that there's a problem. And what is the remedy for a, a, a mankind being lost? What is the remedy? A, a redeemer that would come to buy back what was stolen from the Father. 
Now listen to this. This is where I get, and I just, I want to tell you, man, I, I, I can't be here too long because you'll, you, when you get how good God is, and, and it doesn't mean you're perfect or totally sanctified or any of that, when you, but you begin the process of going, God, I, I, I love you. You know how drug addicts say, you know, the sky's bluer and whatever is just brighter. And let me tell you, when you get a revelation of how much God loves you, everything changes in your life. Because he loved us so much, through the word of God, you can say, that God would come to pursue mankind and provide all that would be needed to bring him back, mankind back. To love man so much. Here's a phrase I want you to hear. To go on a hunt for man. To provide him a way to show man back to the way back home. See, Jesus comes in the world. And in John 3.16, we know that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Listen, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And, and I love how Jesus, in verse 17, answers the doubt, the FUD people that are already in motion. God loved you so much He died for you. Yeah, but he's here to condemn us. And he says, no, God did not, or, or Jesus did not come to send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. D do you hear that? See, there's a lot of people think that the Bible is just a bunch of book of no's. Not ever seeing that it's a book of yeses and love. In a minute, I'm going to show you a video. Let them get ready. But God came to earth to hunt for you and me, to save us from what sin had already done in our lives. The separation. It's our choice. Not Daniel Boone. Put the other one. Put the video. Another man who was 
Jesus came, and as he preached, as he walked in his ministry for three years, in one situation, many situations, that he explained his love for mankind and his purpose for being there. But one of the ones that I love the most is found in Luke chapter 19, and it's about a little guy named Zacchaeus. And he goes to his house, even though the people that day that were kind of thinking they had God figured out, was mad because Jesus would go and eat with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And at the end, you, you see a transformation that takes place that he receives Jesus as the Messiah. And the Bible says that Jesus replies this. Listen to these words. Your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household and that you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out. You could say, go hunting for and to give life to those who are lost. Have you ever felt like you might have lost something or maybe you've been lost yourself? I know that I've been lost before and it's such a, isn't it a helpless feeling? You know, I uh, went to San Antonio one time and it was only when I was probably about 18 and they have a huge loop around the city and one in the middle. And so I, I was on the wrong loop and I just kept going around. The problem was, is I didn't know the address of the hotel that I was staying in. We had just went to a convention and we went to the hotel first and threw our stuff in the room and, and my friend and I went to the convention and he stayed with some friends and I got tired and I went back. I'm going to go to the room and I realized I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was and I couldn't get to where I was going. 
there's a helplessness in that. Sometimes our pride will keep us from admitting that. One time I heard that Daniel Boone <laughs> One time I heard that Daniel Boone they asked him, "Daniel, you've been all over the United States or all over the continental, you know, states. Have you ever been lost?" And he said, "No, never been lost." But I was confused for 3 or 4 days. <laughs> Have you ever lost something and you went to look for it? Have you ever looked for maybe your keys that hold a valuable, valuable asset, your car? You can't get to work. and you, Have you ever went and looked for it and how much joy when you found it? I want you to have that mindset. Here, here's a deeper, but God loved us so much that he went on a hunt looking to seek and to save you and me. This morning, I got weeks coming, so hold on. But I want you to look at Luke chapter fifteen because this this we're gonna we're gonna take this real quick, and we're gonna take the first two parts of this parable, and we'll leave the compassionate or the prodigal son to later. But but look at the first two, and and in Luke chapter fifteen, Jesus is really teaching, and it says that now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around. Why do you think that they were gathering around? To hear him. Because he was giving them hope. This morning, if you've lost hope, let me tell you, you, you just go, you know what, I, I, I can't hear. That's why a lot of your friends don't even want to hear about Jesus. But these guys have been around Jesus so long, or just in the last, you know, as he's teaching, all of a sudden they got hope and they begin to gather around him. And it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. There's a bunch of mutters. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, now let, me, let me just give you kind of again to paint the picture. It would be just like a hobo using your toothbrush. Or a homeless person sleeping in your bed. In today's terms, you'd be like, what? I don't know why. This is the paradigm that these people have when he talks about to tax collectors and sinners and they begin to gather around him. I, I say that. Again, and, and why is because it's setting up the people's paradigm that is speaking into the people that are lost. Look at this. They're, they're doing something to these people. They're questioning their identity. They're, these people can have an identity in Christ, but also they're talking and they're speaking against God's love for mankind. Ooh. Now, now listen, I, I'm not talking about you and I saying that to the homeless or to. The, I'm talking about people saying it to you. Oh, well, Pastor, I'm not one of those ooh people. I'm pretty good. Before Jesus came and before you believed in him and received him? No, ma'am. No, sir. You were an ooh. 
You were a sinner. So he begins to teach this first part in verse 15, verse 3. Then Jesus told them the parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, this is what he's saying is, doesn't he go and hunt for him, the lost sheep? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. Now, again, does anybody call their neighbors and rejoice if they don't love what they just found? No. The Jewish people that are there, the, the good people, or let's say that they're the people that don't realize the love of God for mankind. See, they've talked about God's forgiveness. They've talked about repentance, but they've never got the paradigm shift that says, that God is coming looking to seek and to save those that are lost. See, to this point, all those people that consider themselves good had thought to themselves, it was all me that went looking for God. Let's look at the next part because, again, it's an identity problem. The next story is the woman with 10 silver coins, and it starts in verse 8. Of Suppose one of you, a woman has 10 coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? She, what is she doing? She's hunting for it. In verse 9, and when she finds it, she does the same thing. It seems like the shepherd did. She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. Now again, watch this. It's the love of that person looking for what was lost that brings, again, to our minds that they're rejoicing and throwing parties and celebrating because what was lost was found. And just to make sure that there's nobody in the crowd that doesn't get it, what would the pastor preach on that? Something about coins and sheep. Jesus sums it up. This is what I want you to get. And he says this in verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now watch this. Sometimes again, the thief comes to steal the word from us that God loves us. Us. Because we all know it's all about us. And when you hear that, sometimes if you've been in church for a while, you begin to go, well, I, I, I might be one of the 99 that he left. I, I can celebrate for somebody else coming to the Lord, but what about this guy? And all of a sudden, there's a kind of a scarcity mindset that God can't love all the sinners because he might not have enough love for me. So accept that when it says that he comes to seek and to save, he comes to seek you. And he comes to save you. And he's rejoicing every day that you get up and you don't give up on your faith in him. I'm preaching a lot better than you're carrying on. I'll tell you what. Pa pa Homer, pass it out. <laughs> 
pass out our flyer, our handout. I want you to look at this because we're going to bring this kind of plane to, you know, the landing strip and we'll wait until next week. But I want to go to Romans chapter 8. Yeah, look out, man. When you say Romans chapter 8, I'm telling you, I've got to change hands on that one right there. Romans chapter 8. I didn't want to do it, but here we go. I had it. I could tell that you were losing ground. Romans chapter 8. I'm believing that you can get somebody to hand you something and listen at the same time. 8, verse 35. This is the love of God that I want you to begin this, this second week that we're into this series that you begin to build that foundation. Does God really love you? And you say, He sure does. When somebody says, who's God's favorite? You go right here. And when anything comes against you that tries to argue that point, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who could ever divorce us from endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. They should make a song on that. No one. You know, kind of sing it, no one. Who wants Lisa to write that song? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, Lisa. And we would like it before next Sunday. No, okay, anyway. Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish His love towards us. Troubles, uh-oh. Pressures and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecution? Deprivations, dangers, death threats from your husband or your wife? I'm going to kill you. No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written all day long, we face death threats, for your sake, God. Then he says, we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. So he's already come to the group. There's going to be a day that I die. But look at verse 37. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And has demonstrated love in our glorious victory over everything. Now, now, just quickly, look at that handout that I gave you. That word right there about being a conqueror is even considered a hyper-conqueror. Hyper doesn't mean just bouncing off the walls, hyper. You know what I mean? Attention to deficit, conqueror. No. Hyper-conquerors, empowered to be unrivaled more than a match for any foe. Do you see the four ways that love has made us more than conquerors? No situation in life can defeat us or dilute God's love. Number two is we know that divine love and power work for us to triumph over all things. Number three, we share in the victory spoils of every enemy we face. Can I get an amen from one of you on that one? 
Let me say it again. We know that divine love and power work for our triumph over everything. Therefore, we share in the victory spoils of every enemy we face. We have conquered the conqueror. Watch this. With merely a glance of our worshiping eyes, we have won his heart. So this is what I want you to do. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38, I've got there on your notes, and then a confession. And I'm going to encourage you to read this every day. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I've got time. Put it right by your bed, and before you shut your eyes at night, I've got to do this. Words change your thinking. So now I live with the confidence. You might have to just repeat that. Confident. I live with confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate me from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life, troubles, uh, fallen angels, or dark rulers in this heaven. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken His love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that can ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished. Pastor, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that word lavish. Get comfortable. Which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. When you begin to look long and expect for the love of God to show up in your life, the Bible says that where there, that God is love and where there is love, there is no fear. That means you become so powerful in your belief of God's love for your life that you go, you know what? I, I, get, I know that some of us that were sanguines and, you know, clerics and melancholy, and sometimes our emotions try to take us up and down. But let me tell you, the more that you're transformed with this revelation of how much God loves you, the more that you fly like this. When someone says, boo, all those circumstances, you say, I believe that you are on the list and the list that says you can't separate me from the love of God. We're going to confess this with our mouths, with a song. So I want the worship team to come back up. And as we sing, remember, you need to hear yourself sing it more than anybody in the room. Unless you're a great singer and you believe that your wife needs to hear it, go ahead and sing a little louder. But I want you to hear it. I want it to come out of your mouth and go into the ear gate so that you can hear it. When, when you sing songs in worship, again, why do people that come here and they go, man, I wasn't here for a couple weeks. It feels like I've been gone for a month or two months. It's because they feel different here because they're hearing the confession of their own. We don't confess. God, you love me and I have nothing to fear today. If you do that in the morning, if you read your confession, and again, some of you are already getting to the half class, half, well, pastor, you know I get kind of scared when we get off into that. Relax. Relax. Would you stand? If you know the words, close your eyes.